Hi, I'm Helen Avery. And I'm Ryan Jude. And you're listening to Green is the New Finance from the Green Finance Institute. In today's episode, we're going to be diving into community municipal investments and how we can leverage the power of the crowd to finance local green solutions. Welcome, everyone, to our first co-hosted podcast. Ryan, how are you? <laughs> Thanks, Helen. Uh, busy as ever, but it's great to be here and excited to get going with this. So in these new podcasts, Ryan and I really wanted to bring you financial solutions happening on the ground that are tackling environmental challenges. And that's starting with Abundance Investment today. Yeah, a great first guest, I think, that really hits the main points we want to showcase innovative solutions where finance is combating climate change and at a local level. Yeah. So today we're going to be speaking with Louise Wilson. She's the co-founder and joint managing director of Abundance Investment. And we're going to be talking to her about community municipal investments or CMIs for short. And um, Ryan, do you want to share a little bit about why we're talking to Abundance today? Yeah. So very excited to have Louise on as our first guest to tell us more about CMIs today. We got to know Abundance through our work here at the Institute, as they are a member of the Institute's flagship coalition, the Coalition for the Energy Efficiency of Buildings. And they're also part of our newly launched Zero Carbon Heating Task Force that we just launched this week. And congratulations on that, by the way. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, and separately, um, I first came across Abundance and met Louise through their work with the Scottish £1 billion route map for financing conservation, um, where Abundance adapted the CMI to include financing for nature. So it's a really interesting and inspiring model for bringing um, new sources of capital, not just to uh, the environment, but uh, to specifically nature too. A little more background on CMIs um, before we bring Louise in. They essentially allow you to invest through your council or local authority in green projects in your local community whilst also making a little return. They also present a simple and cheap way for local authorities to finance their net zero targets and have the added bonus of engaging the local community and letting them know what they're doing. And it's topical as well. The first two launched in summer of 2020, first in West Berkshire and then in Warrington, both aim to raise £1 million to fund local net zero projects. Um, rooftop solar in West Parks and a new 24 megawatt solar farm with battery storage in the Warrington CMI. And with that, I think we have all the basics covered. So let's get Louise in to tell us a little bit more. A very warm welcome, Louise. Thanks for joining us. How's your week? Oh, well, um, it's the countdown now to back to school. I've got kind of my own little mini parade, marching bands and uh, ticker tape you know, ready for that. So that's very exciting. It will feel like a giant step back on the road to some kind of normality. <laughs> um, so before we dive into community municipal investments, we wanted to talk a little bit about abundance and about you. So you were head of EMEA equity capital markets at UBS until the financial crisis um, and then left investment banking and co-founded Abundance in 2012. What inspired you to make that leap? Yeah, so the crisis from my perspective actually kind of brought it all home. You know, the, the crisis was was the making of financial services itself and it was left to taxpayers to bail out the system, um, and it principally benefited those that in some ways had created the damage. So I have a lot more kind of, you know, insight into that had it having left, but I knew at the time that I needed to get out of that. I no longer respected the industry that I had been a part of. 
Um, and also, you know, I've become much more aware of the, you know, the economic equation that doesn't add up. You cannot have perpetual growth when you have finite planetary resources. So maybe on that, sort of tell us a bit about abundance and how that journey has played out since starting it. Yes. Yeah, so at Abundance, we, we want to kind of reconnect people to their money and what it does. And, you know, financial services over the years has kind of heavily disintermediated us and made made the kind of decisions around our money become very separate to the things that we care about. Um, and at Abundance, we're trying to bring both back together closely again um, so that people can put their money into things that completely align with what's important to them and make a good financial return. So that basically, in the nuts and bolts, means that we've created a platform that raises money for businesses and now local authorities that are trying to address climate emergency and allow people from as little as £5 to put their money to work supporting those businesses. And the kind of most powerful thing about that is it turns them from being part of the problem. You know, most people understand that we are, um, we all contribute to this climate emergency into being part of the solution. And that creates a positive relationship to that issue, um, takes away that kind of feeling of powerlessness. And our insight already, and, and this is what we very much hope is going to flow through from the CMIs to actually galvanise people into thinking about what more they can do over and above that financial stake, that financial investment. I think again there, just um, before we do get onto the CMIs, obviously the growth that Abundance has seen in the past decade has been swift, but how have you seen things change over that time in terms of, I guess, returns and engagement and education from investors and from the communities? So, um, so thank you for saying the growth has been swift. Actually, you know, from our perspective, it's not been anything like as uh, as quick as we'd like, and that's been a function actually of a, of a really quite challenging environment. You know, we went from the greenest government ever quite quickly to the most austere, um, and then we've had a, a five year Brexit period where where policy and a kind of strategic direction has been lacking, um, and it's been a stop a bit stop start on all things green. Um, but that has really changed during the course of 2019 to the point where you can talk about Pink Boats and Greta Thunberg and David Attenborough and Mark Carney and Christine Lagarde and Shell even in one sentence and kind of know that it's without having to make the link or explain the link. And it's obviously all now kind of culminated in um, Net Zero 2050 as a as a really tangible goal to go for. I think the fact that you said about 2019 is something that we say a lot, the yeah. way that public discourse has shifted massively. And this is why the CMIs right now, it feels like the perfect time for them to get going. Yeah. Yes. So I think that's probably a good segue into the CMIs. So we've had the first in West Berkshire, the second yeah. in Warrington recently. Obviously, congrats on getting that issuance over the line. But I think for the benefit of the listeners at home who may be more unfamiliar with the product, yes. do you want to just give us a quick overview of what CMI is, its structure, yes. and what it really hopes to achieve? Yes. So, so CMIs are something that's very new and uh, in the same way actually not really new at all. You know, it's not that long ago that local authorities regularly raised money locally. Um, but that kind of local finance economy or infrastructure died away. But we so we've drawn inspiration from that. And we've also drawn inspiration, if you like, from the best of the municipal bond market in the US, where two out of three infrastructure projects are funded by municipal bonds. 
and 40% of those are taken up by individuals. So we've taken those two together and and over actually what's been a four-year period, spent time looking at how we might bring this together. And it took a big step forward when when some government funding became available to, um, to, to fund a project that was called Financing for Society, whether crowdfunding can be used for public infrastructure. And that was run by the University of Leeds with a, a couple of legal firms and, um, and our input and also BDO. And it involved three local authorities and three NHS trusts. The CMI, Community Municipal Investment, kind of evolved out of that. And what's new about it in kind of today's context is that it's, it's debt that's raised by the local authority itself. And therefore, it's a much lower risk investment than most of the things that we put on the platform. And the reason for that is that local authorities legally cannot go bankrupt. They are obviously very tightly regulated and have a lot of kind of um, processes that they must put in place around how they manage their finances. But although it's low risk and as a result, it's low return, it has all of the impact, direct transparent, tangible impact that the rest of our investments offer. And the reason for that is that although you are lending to a local authority and it goes into a general pool, it has a directed use of of proceeds. Um, So in the case of West Berkshire, it's helping fund the installation of solar panels on the roofs of their portfolio, their estate, council-owned buildings. And then in the case of Warrington, it's going towards funding a um, hybrid battery storage and solar project that's um, being built in Sarancester or that will be built in Sarancester. So you know exactly what your money is going to do. You can see um, the impact that it's going to have in a way that's not possible with most other kind of green or ethical investment opportunities that are out there in the mainstream. But it comes wrapped in this... um, low risk wrapper you know i like to think about it that it's the kind of investment where y- you can sleep at night knowing that your money is going to be there at the end of it and you're getting a little bit of interest on top of that so just leading on from that what are the real benefits for the local authorities in issuing a cmi you've mentioned that they of course have other sources of funding such as the public works loan board for example yeah. but what makes the cmi an attractive proposition for them so local authorities I think are you know, well out in front and have been for quite some time um, in terms of actually getting to grips with climate emergency and what they need to do to play their part. So two thirds of them had um, declared climate emergency before Net Zero 2050 was legislated in June last year. So, so they already know that you know this affects them, it affects their residents, their businesses, and they've been drawing up those plans, which now obviously evolving to, to address you know, specifically that name target now. Um, one of the challenges that faces local authorities, and, and they've obviously got a lot, but one of, one of the challenges is that in our busy lives, we're not really very aware of what it is that our local council does. We know that they take some council tax from our bank account every month and they give us parking tickets and... They don't clear the bins out. And the local authorities know that. And it's a frustration for them because actually as soon as you spend any time looking into what they do, it's actually much, much wider than that and very often really quite progressive and and forward thinking. 
So from our perspective, you know, one of the objectives with the CMI and in some ways, you know, for the local authority, its most valuable objective is that it creates a really engaging way to to bring people, to bring residents and citizens and the general public more widely into a local authority's plans to tackle climate emergency by making them part of the funding. So when you have a financial stake, you just listen that much more closely um, so, and then because you listen much more closely, you feel also like we're in it together. For local authorities, they've been working on this for quite some time to varying degrees, but their residents maybe don't know about it. The CMI is a very kind of public way to um, to advertise that uh, and and to kind of bind people into it as a positive participant. Um, and then it creates, because it pays um, some kind of return uh, every six months, it's the way to update your residents and on what's happening. And as we also hope, which I, I mentioned before, that through that kind of positive relationship to it and that feeling that we're all in it together, people begin to think about, well, maybe I'll ride my bike today or um, actually I'm going to work harder at my recycling or my next car is definitely going to be electric or I'm not going to get one at all. Or that I will now go and put um, insulation in my house or install solar panels. So the funds raised for West Barks and Warrington, as you said, are for, for solar. But presumably there are other climate-based solutions that could be funded by local authorities, um, like nature-based solutions, which I know you've been working on with Edinburgh City Council. Yes, yes. So so this, we think, is really interesting. In our transition to low carbon, you know, there are going to be some some measures that have a very obvious commercial basis to them and that others that that do have an economic benefit – but it's much more indirect or further out. And one of the challenges is that we, we won't get to that net zero target. And from an abundance perspective, we, we are really pushing to try and make it come quicker than 2050. That's kind of what we're motivated by. But certainly we're not going to get there if we don't do the hard to do things as well as the easy to do things. So that very much speaks to a lot of the kind of conservation capital or nature-based solutions, which are really kind of critical to us getting this right, but where they don't necessarily um, have an obvious business case. So in discussions with Scottish Wildlife Trust um, as part of their billion pound route map, which they were doing in partnership with the Scottish Environment Protection Agency, we had meetings with Edinburgh City Council um, to say, well, you know, as a council which has its plans to you know, address climate emergency, they sit in a kind of unique position in the sense that they can put one of those obvious business cases projects alongside a less obvious one, being a kind of nature-based one, and in some ways allow them to cross-subsidise each other, but fund them together as a package. And out of that came um, the idea of a nature climate bond, so the use of proceeds would go towards funding, whether it's solar or some other kind of renewable generation or reducing energy consumption, which would, would generate cost savings and using that to kind of help fund rewilding of verges or um, parks regeneration. They've got a big parks and green spaces project going on there. So that I think is really exciting because if we can get one of those off the ground, it becomes a template for all of the other kind of nature-based conservation type of projects that need to be funded. Finance is really bad about wanting to package everything up, but actually it kind of then misses the the benefits and, and the need to have a much more holistic approach. Oh, I think it's such a great idea for getting green spaces and nature funded, because as you say, it's notoriously difficult um, to get the finance together for that. 
um, but also, um, you know, it's going to bring in presumably more interest from investors. Uh, maybe not everyone's as excited by investing in solar in their communities as us, but you've got to think, especially as COVID, they would be really interested in um, buying a CMI if they thought that it was investing in parks and, you know, as you mentioned, rewilding of verges in their neighbourhoods. Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely right. But also, you know, what we know is that, you know, everybody has has slightly different things that they feel really strongly and passionate about. And the beauty then of, a, of the CMI product is that it allows different people to support different things, depending on how much it kind of chimes with your own personal priorities or, or areas of interest or wherever it may be. But But it's much easier to raise money if you're saying to people, I'm going to give it back to you. you know, you're going to get it back. It's not just philanthropic. So, so far, the CMIs have been relatively small scale, up to £1 million for the two issued so far. But what are the plans to scale this up further? And how will these earlier, smaller CMIs help achieve this? So with CMIs, we've deliberately started at, um, you know, at, at smaller amounts. And there's a couple of reasons for that. First of all, um, you know, some of these projects don't require large amounts. And the second reason for, for not going too big as we just start this out is that it is something very new. And it's going to take a while for people to understand how it works and also to be, to, you know, to, to learn a little bit more about the way that local authorities fund themselves and their obligations when it comes to repaying that money. And also to help people think about where within their portfolio they are going to put it. So, you know, if you have gilts and other kind of cash saving products at the lowest level of risk, and then you might go up to kind of unlisted equity investments at the other end of the risk scale, really CMIs are just a little step above the kind of gilts, cash savings products. So um, so knowing that there's a bit of time to um, to get that understanding and awareness out there, um, we, we started small. But completely, the local authorities that we're working with, um, they want this to become a regular part of their borrowing plans. And, and overall, um, it's something like five to seven billion that local authorities borrow on average. Um, from central government every year, we'd like to see at least 10% of that come from residents in the general public. So on the topic of scaling up, there's a comment that you've made previously, which I found very interesting. Philip Hammond in 2018 announced that they were the government was going to be retiring PFI or the private finance initiative. Mm-hmm. And that's left a vacuum. I, I'd be love to hear how you think CMIs can help fill in this space. Yeah, so um, so I'm really glad you dug that out because yes, I think it's really important. PFI have you know been quite heavily criticised for various different reasons, but one of the most significant being that actually they kind of prevented projects from evolving and staying current and relevant and using you know being future proofed because the contractual structures were so complicated. But there has been nothing to replace that. So what we're saying is actually there is, if, if, if CMIs show the art of the possible, they show that there is a different way to fund infrastructure and to create a, a different type of engagement between what I call the community of users and the people who have funded it. It, it can only be beneficial. And therefore, from our perspective, we don't see why that wouldn't naturally evolve into every kind of planning decision for a major infrastructure project saying, well, 
Those CMIs show that you can put members of the public in. It doesn't cost a lot of money to do it. You get huge benefits by them being financial stakeholders as well as users of that infrastructure. We're only going to give you the permission for this project to go ahead if you say that you're going to let them help fund it. And therefore, every bridge, driverless car, network infrastructure, thinking ahead to a future, 5G or 6G, whatever comes next, that this should be funded by the people that are going to use it. And they should participate in the returns that come from it, um, not just uh, very large multi-billion pound dollar euro infrastructure funds that may or may not have any connection here to the UK. Is there any advice you can offer those listening uh, before before we go who really do want to put their money to work in their communities and for the environment? Mm. Um, and maybe they haven't got a CMI coming their way just yet, but um, any mm. advice you can offer them to get involved? So I guess um, from our perspective, well, there are a couple of open at the moment, so you can go and take a look at those and, and get comfortable and, and help understand what's happening. Um, if you're wanting to look for things which are geographically local to you, you know, there may well be some kind of community-driven investment initiatives that um, that are happening locally. Um, and and ultimately, actually, from our perspective, if I'm allowed to do this, you know, I'd say go and knock on your local councillor's door and ask when they're going to do a CMI because it's an amazing idea. Um, it's low cost for the local authority. Both of these two are cheaper than central government and there's nothing that... Um, a local councillor likes more than not having to pay interest to central government. Um, the process is completely templated um, and really straightforward to follow. So we're, we, we don't want to put any kind of additional resource burden on councillors who are already incredibly busy. Um, and it's a fantastic way to advertise uh, what they're doing to address climate emergency. So that's my shameless plug and exhortation <laughs> to your listeners to, um, to, to go out and, and help us make this happen. So essentially, listen to all the answers you've given in this podcast, write exactly. a letter and go yes. and hang on the door of your local councillors. Well, we email us and we'll write it down for you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's make this easy for everybody. Yeah. I'm not sure that's GDPR no. compliance. No. Well, Louise, thank you very much for joining us. Um, this has been absolutely fascinating. I'm sure everyone listening at home will agree. Best of luck with the upcoming lead CMI and we look forward to continuing to follow your work. Wonderful. Thanks again so much for, for the airtime. We really appreciate it. Well, Ryan, what do you think? Are you going to be knocking on your councillor's door? <laughs> Absolutely. I'm just wondering now if we'll get lots of letters from annoyed councillors up and down the country after that. Uh, we, we can only hope. <laughs> Well, that's all we have time for today. We'll be back in a few weeks with more on the ground solutions. And Helen, you're back in two weeks with the next Fireside Chat. Who is it that's going to be joining you? I am going to be joined by Mark Hayfiller. He's the Chief Investment Officer for UBS Global Wealth Management. And get this, he's responsible for more than $2 trillion. Oh, um, big. <laughs> right. Um, and he's been working to ensure that that money is flowing into sustainable investments. So I don't know if you saw this, but last week UBS announced they are recommending sustainable investments over traditional investments to all their private clients. So a massive game changer for getting money moving to green. So really looking forward to hearing from Mark. No, that's great. Obviously, the big banks, financial institutions will have to be at the forefront of this. So that's really exciting. And I will definitely be tuning in. And for those listening at home, we've got some great guests lined up in the coming weeks and months for our podcast. 
But if there's anyone that you'd like to hear from on the podcast, then do reach out to us here at the Institute. Yeah, we um, welcome your feedback and, of course, your ratings too. (laughs) And don't forget to subscribe in all the usual places you get your podcasts from. So that's it from us this week. And thank you for listening to Green is the New Finance. Green is the New Finance is brought to you by the Green Finance Institute with audio production by Fairly Media.